your clients care. They absolutely care. They are hearing headlines about this stuff. If you're not bringing it up or at least acknowledging that you can have a conversation with them about it when they do bring it up, instead of just saying, you don't understand that, I don't understand that, let's not. I, I mean, it's like a Warren Buffett round. Like, if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. But it's also like, if you don't understand it, your client is paying you to understand it. So they don't understand it. They're coming to you with a very serious question and we're dismissing it. It's, it's not great PR for you. <laughs> for right. You're listening to On Purpose with Tyrone Ross, brought to you by the Coindesk Podcast Network. This show is for advisors, by advisors, on all things crypto, and we appreciate you. And now, here's Tyrone. All right, so welcome back to the latest episode of On Purpose. I have one of my favorite people on earth, favorite financial advisors and Twitter personalities and so on and so forth, Morgan Richard, CFA, CFP, and also member of the Coindesk FA Council. How are you? Thank you for joining me. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun, especially when we get into what we are going to talk about. And I reached out to you for this specifically. But before we get into that, I definitely want to mention a couple of things. One, you were on the Human Advisor podcast with me. So thank you again for doing that. And two, I want to thank you for being a part of this, the podcast as well, but also aligning with me on what I'm trying to work with Coindesk to do. So I definitely wanted to publicly thank you for that because you were one of the first names that I thought about when they were like, well, how many financial advisors do you trust to give it by? I'm like, one, two, three, right? It was a very short list. So thank you for that. Thanks for considering me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's just get right into it. One of the things that again, for me, has been a frustration is as the space continues to evolve and hedge funds and funds overall and asset managers and this push to get financial advisors into the space, good old word diversification comes in. I can't lie, I've been aggravated by it because I just think, <laughs> I just think right now as one, financial advisors are behind the curve. I think we both could agree there in terms of their overall breadth of education and awareness on crypto, but also I just feel like you can only build a credible investment thesis around Bitcoin and anything after that is just, you're playing fun and games. And again, I think when we get into true fiduciary responsibility and being able to speak to things with some type of true, credible allocation and investment thesis for our clients, I think it's Bitcoin hard stop. And I thought there was no one else better to talk to about that than you. So let's just dig right in. I mean, give, give us your thoughts, right, as, as a CFA and a CFP on why is it Bitcoin and not a mock S&P 500 crypto fund that financial advisors should be talking to their clients? Yeah, well, let's start with cutting these advisors some slack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of other coins have been promoted by people who have an interest and who are backed by VCs and other funding who have been able to get the word out there, I think yep. a lot better than let's say the Bitcoin community, because Bitcoin itself is extremely decentralized. There's nobody out there, you know, marketing really, with the exception of people who are just really into it. From that standpoint, right, you're not going to see it in like investment news or some of these other emails that come off across advisors' desks all the time, where they're just sort of clicking around and seeing highlights and maybe not doing a big deep dive because they've heard diversification for so many years of like why it works and why it will help your, your business and your clients to be diversified. 
of course advisors are going to gravitate towards that. So I think like if you're an advisor who is in that camp, get, cut yourself some slack <laughs> and then go from there and then recognize, okay, there's actually a difference here. And the main difference is that like companies actually generate cash flows, right? So provided that the company has some sort of way to generate a cash flow, right? Their, their stock can do something. That doesn't mean that all stocks out there in the universe are going to do something. That doesn't mean that all companies that issue bonds, right, are actually going to be able to make their obligations or meet their obligations and everything else. But you do have a better chance if the company has a viable product for them to actually be able to at least service their debt and maybe pay a dividend and also have some sort of capital appreciation along the way. When it comes to crypto, though, it's very different. The thing that's interesting about crypto or about Bitcoin specifically is that it's decentralized. That's the essence of it. So all of these other coins and things that have come out are kind of like copycat companies that haven't really gone through proper registration. Whereas Bitcoin itself, it was released into the world and it's not backed by anybody. You don't need a third party to interact. I mean, yes, you, you could go on an exchange, but you could actually go and buy Bitcoin from a friend, right? You don't need the exchange if you don't want to use it. There's no landlord involved. There's no renter that has to actually pay you money for like the cash flow to come through, right? There's just literally no third party. There's no custodian in the mix of it. That's what makes it interesting is the fact that it is so decentralized. The other thing that makes it interesting is that it has a cap of 21 million coins. Between it being decentralized and also that it has this cap on the money supply, it's the most deflationary asset. And I think that that's also what kind of turns advisors off is when they hear deflationary, they think, oh, you know, that goes against all of the education I've ever had <laughs> forever in you know, economics because it's Austrian economics, it's not Keynesian economics. But that should be the thing that makes it even more interesting and more of a diversification opportunity for your clients rather than vice versa, where if you're just putting it into random coins, it doesn't really add any value. Whereas this is something that's truly different, truly diversified, truly non-correlated to other portfolio assets. You're front running me here because I want to get to that. But first, I do want to back up and say thank you for politely putting me in my place because I do forget that sometimes, right? Is that we are the small minority that understand it and get it. But sometimes I'm just like, ah, enough. And the only <laughs> reason why I get like that, and I want to make it very clear, it's not from financial advisors, though. It's from some notable folks in our space who are pushing this stuff. That's mainly where my frustration coming from. From the broader market, great. But when you start to talk to FAs and those that know the traditional financial advisory space, that's the part that frustrates me. It's not necessarily from financial advisors, but that's a very good point. I know I lose my way sometimes with that, but that is a very good point. So advisors, I'm cutting you some slack. <laughs> which is why we're doing this. <laughs> also, I mean, the thing to note, the thing that always comes up, right, is like, well, um, the main coins that are out there, right? There's Ethereum, Ripple comes up a lot. I don't know all the, all the names off the top of my head, but there's a huge difference between Bitcoin, let's say, and Ethereum. Bitcoin is actually holding itself out as a money, whereas Ethereum, that's not their goal. So it's kind of like the two different camps of software engineers out there. Like there are software engineers who are working on Bitcoin who are very focused on Bitcoin itself, the core product. And then there are the engineers out there who are, they're not as focused on that. They want to see how much they can do with the blockchain, what they can put on the blockchain, how they can sort of make Ethereum into this, I guess, magical, <laughs> magical coin, for lack of a better term. Um, and they keep kind of throwing lots of stuff on the blockchain there. And I, and I think the thing that advisors don't really understand and it was actually a little even difficult for me to understand at the beginning was like, that just bloats the software. 
and you end up with just a really like blockchains in and of itself are already really slow. And then once you add all this other stuff onto the blockchain, now it's even slower. So it's like Ethereum is one of those things that it can't really ever become the money that let's say Bitcoin can become because it's going to have all this other stuff on it, slowing it down. And then something like Ripple and a lot of these other ones that are really centralized, they're basically like really slow databases. I've never heard anyone get super excited about like SQL <laughs> or like, you know, or like, yes, I guess Oracle has built like a really good business around their databases, right? But like they are a proprietary software, they do enterprise, they, they you know, figure out a way to sell their software and then sell their software as a service, right? But like SQL in and of itself, like it's, it's open source, you can download it. There's, there's no value really in it other than the fact that you're using it as a database and then you use that to then go do other things. So like when I hear blockchain being spoken about, quote unquote, it's like there's nothing really that exciting about blockchain other than the fact that it's a database and a slow one at that. And yes, it's immutable, but you can put controls on your database to make it be immutable as well. I'd like to invite you all to join me at the Bitcoin for Financial Advisors Conference, November 9th and 10th. I've partnered with Coindesk to bring together a conference for advisors, by advisors on all things you would ever want to know about Bitcoin. It is free to register if you are a registered investment advisor and you can get up to nine CE credits. We will be discussing everything you need to know about Bitcoin, how to educate yourself and your clients, and more importantly, how to grow your practice. I'll see you there. Second part of this, which I think is very important here, another reason why I wanted to have you on, there's a CFA, CFP listening to this, and it's just like, why should I care? Why does Bitcoin matter, right? So I want you to kind of put on the hat there because you've had conversations with clients about this. A lot of advisors have it. So that's like the CFP part of it. And try and dig into the little parts. Well, as a CFA, we'll look at it just in terms of some of the characteristics as a you know, non-correlated asset, so on and so forth. Because one of the things advisors say is, as, you know, the 21 million cap, well, you know, you guys say the same thing. Or it's, well, why should I care? It's not a security. It's just this litany of things. But from your perspective, if you were just, again, if we're educating here, right, and, and just not trying to get folks to be you know, Bitcoin maxis, but advisors, listen, here's why you should care. What, what would you say to someone like yourself that's listening? Yeah, I mean, first of all, your clients care. They absolutely care. They are hearing headlines about this stuff. If you're not bringing it up or at least acknowledging that you can have a conversation with them about it when they do bring it up, instead of just saying, you don't understand that, I don't understand that, let's not. I, I mean, it's like a Warren Buffett round. Like, if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. But it's also like, if you don't understand it, your client is paying you to understand it. So they don't understand it. They're coming to you with a very serious question and we're dismissing it. It's, it's not great PR for you. <laughs> for right, right. Um, so, and then that aside, it's also, I mean, it is a non-correlated asset just based on the fact that it's not like, it's not linked to really anything else. I mean, it doesn't mean that on a day-to-day -day basis, it's not going to trade the way other things do. And we did actually see it be a little bit correlated during the coronavirus action in the market in, in March and April, just because based on a function of how our society functions, we don't really keep cash around because there is inflation out there. Basically, every year you're losing 2 to 3% of your money just based on inflation, right? So we can't really just let cash sit around. And because of that, when you have dollar liabilities that come up during a time like coronavirus where people are being laid off, they have to make rent, they have to put food on their table, all of that stuff has to be taking place in dollars, right? Not in Bitcoin. Or you can't go use your Apple stock to do that, right? So you have to physically sell something to then go put food on your table. 
So I think in some senses, there will always be correlation, right? The question is really how correlated will it be and will it help your portfolio over the long run to have something like this in it? And then the last thing, I mean, we now see every decade something comes up where the government decides to print massive amounts of money. And I don't really know what that means in the long term, right? Like it's really hard to tell when people are going to say enough. I don't think it's right now. I think that there will be a day though where people don't want to hold dollars anymore. Whether or not they want to go hold Bitcoin, I, I, I can't really tell you, right? right. <laughs> I know a lot of people who think that that'll, that'll be where it goes. But I don't really see another currency being that exciting to anybody else as well, just by the function of the fact that this is what we do now. When there's a crisis, we print money. We print our way out of these things. And it hasn't been a problem because people are willing to buy our debt or willing to hold dollars. But if that day does come where they don't want to hold dollars, then for sure you want to have some sort of other asset in your portfolio that could be there to support it. That advisor is now convinced and he wants to do this. And you and I both know the infrastructure isn't there. So I put it back on you again. When you do have these conversations with clients like I've had and you've had, and they want access to it, what do you tell them? Where do you advise they go? What are the steps there? If a financial advisor is like, all right, more can convince me. I'm going to do it. Where do you suggest an advisor would either send clients or what is the process what have you seen to be successful in advising clients around getting access to Bitcoin in a manner that we both know we could appreciate in terms of self-sovereignty and self-custody and things like that? I wish I had a good answer for you on this one. I really <laughs> do. One. I know, there really isn't one. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I have a combination of things going on with my clients. I have some clients who they already had Coinbase accounts before we even started working together, um, in which case we've talked about how to move coins off and hold it in a hardware wallet. Most clients don't want to do that, right? Like, and I understand that. My clients don't want to do that either. I have clients who they have millions of dollars and they have it stored safely at a custodian. They don't want to worry about the little hardware wallet that like they accidentally misplaced that might be worth $2 billion one day, right? Right, 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 right. The exception of like, you know, really hardcore Bitcoiners who, who like aren't really listening to what the masses want. Most people don't want to be like, you know, figuring out how to take their printer offline so they could do a paper wallet and then go store it somewhere that could potentially catch on fire. So. I definitely hear that Coinbase is a good option. They do have their exchange. So if you're worried about fees, because they have their like their brokerage product and then their exchange product, Kraken is another place that you can go. Security is really high. I don't think you'd ever worry about like your coins being seized like some of these other companies. If Shout you are, are, yeah, like, <laughs> if you are um, at Fidelity already, that's probably a great place to go. And I have had clients use GBTC just because it's easy, but also, again, it has a premium on it and you don't hold your coins. And there are a lot of other issues associated with that. So, I mean, right now there really isn't a good place. I'm hoping that Tyrone has the answer to all of these <laughs> problems in the next year. Yes. Um, yeah, I did hear from somebody else that like there was a product coming out where an advisor could actually buy on behalf of the client. I can't remember what that was. Maybe, maybe you can hop in here and there's a few things out there. I know blockchain just did their news with Gemini. Um, and there's a, a project that I was working on previously. I think that what, you know, maybe what you're talking about, I'm not at liberty to announce it now, but yeah, I think that may be it. But there are a few things in the work, but there's really only one that matters. <laughs> <laughs> but before letting you go, I, I definitely, so two things for us to finish up. The first is I definitely want you to talk about your book that you have coming out is very important because one, if you don't follow Morgan on Twitter, you should, you're failing at life. Follow her. Wonderful financial advice that will make you stop and think. 
And I think your book will be, you know, a, a good resource for that. So talk a little bit about the book that you have coming up. Yeah. So my book actually just came out on October 19th. It's the personal finance quick start guide. It does have a little section of Bitcoin in there. I've been awesome. asked that multiple times. There's no other currency listed. It's only Bitcoin. <laughs> I think the thing to keep in mind though, right, is like, it's still a personal finance book. And the whole reason why I wrote it is that I wanted to combine a lot of the behavioral aspects of what we experience with our finances, with actual practical advice. I feel like you get a lot of one or the other, but you don't really get them together in a book. So the first half of the book is really focused on mind management and how to deal with all the emotions that come up with our money. Um, and that really come up no matter who we are, even the super logical people. Sometimes we're like hyper logical because we have those emotions that we're suppressing. Yeah. Um, so that, that was kind of the, <laughs> the purpose of the book was to combine those two things so that you have a framework to actually think about how you work with your finances and how you're able to do the practical part. Because I get a lot of questions on Twitter all the time and I'm like, it depends. I can't possibly answer that for you. I don't know anything about your situation. But then I see like people piling in, giving, <laughs> giving it really exactly. bad advice um, all the time. So, <laughs> um, so buy my book if that's you. You have a question about personal finance, go out there, uh, buy the personal finance quick start guide. It'll give you a framework to think about these things. And then just to really assess how you can live your most fulfilled life and use your finances to support that and not the other way around. It really shouldn't be finance first. It should be people first. Absolutely. And I know you have it pinned on your Twitter page again. So where people follow you, it's there. We'll include it here. Support the movement. And again, one of the things that I'm doing when my friends are really smart, people do put out books. My job is to get a bunch of them and I want to start giving them the inner city communities and things like that. So I have a nonprofit launching soon that will, you know, your book, Morgan Housel, everyone's, I want to get a bunch, but we're going to give them out because we tend to share a lot of this within our own echo chamber, right? And I want to make sure it gets into the hands of the people that really need it. Because if people can get, you know, that best in class financial advice from you in the form of a book, I think everybody deserves access to that. So uh, we'll be putting in a really large order for that soon. And thank you for writing it. Appreciate that would be amazing. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to happen. Last thing that I've been asking everybody, all right, and I gave you a little heads up on your answer here. <laughs> we, you cannot say Pierre, but if I were to ask you, who is Satoshi? Living, walking around on Earth right now, who's Satoshi? What would you say? I kind of like that it's a mystery, I have to tell you. I feel like once it's not a mystery, it's, it's I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a lighthearted question. I, I yeah. asked Josh Brown and he said he thinks it's Donald Trump, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> typical Josh, typical Josh Brown answer. But no, I know you have a lot to do. This has been great. Thank you so much. Again, lastly, you will be at the Bitcoin FA conference. You are speaking. So please, everyone, if you are an RIA, it is free for you to join us. You can get up to nine CE credits. So get your butt there. Morgan, thank you again for coming on and spending time with me. I truly appreciate you. Again, folks, anything that you do in life, do it on purpose. We will see you on the next one. I appreciate you.